Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Well, hey there, friends. Hope you all had a good holiday. Well, first half of the holidays, you know, Merry Christmas. Happy Festivus, Happy Kwanzaa to those of you who celebrate it. I know we're a little weeks out from Happy Hanukkah. I think I said that last week. Uh, but hey, hope you all got what you wanted for gifts if you if you do that thing. Um, obviously, it's me, Nick, your host of Nixner News. Welcome to the program. And uh, I'm sure some of you might be new now that I'm on Amazon and iHeartRadio after two years of trying to get on there. Welcome, welcome. Uh, welcome new, welcome old. Uh, Nixner News, of course, is a, a little bit of a, a f- just an off-the-cuff, having fun, talking kind of a deal. Uh, for those of you that are new, I'd, I'd hope you'd listen to a few episodes before today, uh, just because we're kind of doing a recap of, of 2021, uh, the strange year as it was. Some, some news, some news we're going to talk about today, uh, just a little bit. Just because there there were some things that that happened in the last week or so, not a whole lot be, because of the holiday, of course. Um, no word yet on when the one on one league will return. I think it's going to be in a couple weeks in January. We're going to get back into the swing of things. Uh, of course, I will talk about that once it happens. I will be shoutcasting once again for the one on one league. Uh, today we will be talking about the Book of Boba Fett, just because I, I happen to be off of work this week, so I was able to watch it the day of release and talk about it the day of release. And that is, uh, that's what's going on. Uh, just want you guys to be aware that there might be a, a time where I take a week off, uh, a week or two off in the near future. Uh, just some some moving shenanigans going on here at, at uh the Nixner News House. I'm going to do my best to have a, a guest host fill in for those two weeks. I can't promise anything. Um, those one or two weeks, whenever it happens, whenever it may be. Uh, I might have. Uh, I might ask Marquis to come back. I might ask Roy to come back. I might have uh, someone else fill in. I might go do it with someone. Um, if I can't do it at my own place of residence, who knows? Who knows? We'll find out. Maybe I'll go to one of those work rentable office spaces and who who knows right who knows anyway anyway let's uh let's get into the thick of it just like i said a, a couple of quick things we are going to do our 2021 recap today uh, i just felt it would be be best as as things kind of get back into the swing of things and uh just a couple of gaming things i do want to talk about um Plus, we know what our, our uh, games with gold and PS Plus games will be for January. Anyway, let, let's 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 get into it, shall we? So, you know, Doom is just being ported to just about every device on the planet nowadays. I mean, they even got it running on a on a pregnancy test. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I I know, I know. Well, now doctors uh, or scientists or prof- whatever you want to call them are teaching rats to run around Doom maps. So they're building, like, the layout of a Doom map in, like, a rat maze. And 
having them run it. So Victor Toth um, did this over six months. He is a researcher and wanted to train a rat to run down a straight hallway in Doom using a VR rig. So it took him about four months to build a rig for the rats, a VR rig for the rats, mind you, a 3D printer, an iron, a drilling machine, and a set of screwdrivers, right? I just... I don't know how you make a VR rig for rats. That's the wildest thing. You can go look at it online. I think that's the most ridiculous thing ever. VR, Jesus Christ. I don't know. People have too much time on their hands. People have way too much time on their hands. Uh, Guillermo del Toro has also announced or purported he thinks his time in video games is over. The man hasn't spent that much time there, but of course his Silent Hills project with, with uh, Kojima was canceled. Uh, he was barely in Death Stranding. Uh, he was speaking with GameSpot, or sorry, he was on the Happy Sad Confused podcast. GameSpot noticed it, and he said that uh, he's not working on any Silent Hill projects, and... Of course, he was at the Game Awards because he is really good friends with Kojima and who's really good friends with Jeff Keighley. And he made a comment about something and he doesn't think he would develop a video game again because of the albatross of video gaming, whatever that means. Um, he's just... I think he's more frustrated with, the, with what happened with Silent Hills. Honestly, Guillermo del Toro is like he's literally one director who could easily transition to video games and it sucks that he's kind of closing the door on it. And I think he's just frustrated with what what has happened to him. And I get that. That makes total sense. But but I think walking away is the wrong. Personally, I think it's the wrong decision. Granted, it's he can make his own decisions. I just he's got so many amazing ideas in his head and the gaming medium allows for way more things to happen than 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 the film medium that i i don't think he should i i hope he doesn't really walk away forever i hope i hope he leaves that door open because you don't want to close doors you just don't want to close doors um and i don't know it sucks it sucks if he does though uh, also square enix has confirmed that that work on Final Fantasy 16, so development for it, w was delayed by almost half a year because of because of everything that happened with with the Rona, right? And it, it says it will not have another reveal on on the game until at least spring of next year, and it just because of everything that's happened and people having to work from home and things like that, that the uh, the game was delayed by almost six months, and he did say on Twitter, this is Na Naoki Yoshida, the producer on the game, said, quote, via Twitter, Greetings, everyone. When last we spoke, I promised I would have more information on Final Fantasy XVI sometime later in 2021. However, I regret to inform you that I will be unable to keep that promise as complications stemming from the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic have delayed the game's development by almost a half year, unquote. Uh, he went on to also say, quote, As the latest edition of the Final Fantasy series being developed for PlayStation 5, Final Fantasy 16, 
has amassed a sizable team composed of talented creators from around the world. However, in an effort to offset the effects of COVID-19, we've had to decentralize that workforce by permitting staff to tackle their assignments from home. This has unfortunately hampered communication from the Tokyo office, which in turn has led to delays in, or in extreme cases, cancellations of asset deliveries from our outsourced partners, unquote. Um, then he goes on to say more stuff about spring of 2022 and all the delays. He apologized. So do not expect any news on Final Fantasy 16 until at least the spring. So that means uh, uh, April. So March, April, or May. In in that in that time frame, it it might be three to five months before we hear anything on on Final Fantasy 16 which, if I'm not mistaken, was first announced last year or the year before. But unfortunately, like a lot of other things, the Rona got in the way. Not surprised. Not surprised at all. Also, Riot Games has been ordered by a court to pay out nearly $100 million in settlement over gender discrimination. The gaming industry has faced a reckoning this year. So Riot Games, of course, the, t- the company behind Legend- League of Legends and Valorant, will pay out $100 million in a settlement, part of which is $80 million for the settlement, an additional $20 million for fees and expenses, so that's going to the lawyers. And this is after reaching a settlement with the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing uh, and the California Division of Labor Standards Enforcement. And several private plaintiffs uh, based on a 2018 lawsuit. So, this is from women who worked at the company from November of 2014 to the present day. Uh, That $20 will go to attorney's fees, like I said. And Riot will also uh, have its internal reporting and pay equity processes monitored by a third-party company. That will be approved by both Riot and the DFEH. Uh, This is, of course, through... Uh, this is via IGN, uh, and they also said the court is settling up to approve the the the, the settlement. And uh, per Riot, a Riot spokesperson, they said, "quote Three years ago, Riot was at the heat, the heart of what became a reckoning in our industry. We had to face the fact that, despite our best intentions, we hadn't always lived up to our values. As a company, we stood at a crossroads. We could deny the shortcomings of our culture." Or we could apologize, correct course, and build a better riot. We chose the latter. We're incredibly grateful to every rioter who has worked to create culture where inclusivity is the norm, where we're deeply committed to fairness and equality, and where embracing diversity fuels creativity and innovation. While we're proud of how far we've come since 2018, we must also take responsibility for the past. We hope that this settlement properly acknowledges those who have had negative experiences at Riot, and demonstrates our desire to lead by example in bringing more accountability and equality to the game's industry, unquote. So, really great. It's really great to hear from them. A lot of companies don't always do that. Um, Kotaku broke it back a couple of years ago over the bro culture, quote unquote. That was there, and some other things, but... Riot is moving forward. They faced a reckoning a lot over the last few years as well, and we'll see what happens. Unfortunately, speaking of companies facing a reckoning, my prediction about Bobby Kotick at um, Activision Blizzard turned out to not come true. 
There's two days left in the year. I don't see him resigning in the next 24 hours. So, you know, I, I thought I could uh, predict the future. I guess I was wrong. Shit happens, right? Right. But, hey, doesn't mean other things can still happen in the industry. Uh, some things can change in the new year. We'll see. We'll find out. But who knows? Um, but yes, it's, it's uh, good of Riot to accept that they were wrong. And it, it happens, right? But it sucks. But at least companies are willing to admit that they fucked up and take ownership. Granted, it could just be corporate gobbledygook as their responses, but who knows? Sometimes they will do better. Obviously, if they want to bring in more talent, they got to do better. More talent and new talent, I should say. And obviously, they understand that. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Lego announced this week the new Sonic Green Hill Zone set. So to, to kind of go in a counter to the, you know, their, their Super Mario sets, they now have a um, Sonic set. It will, I think it's out, or it's coming out. Um, hold on. It, it, yeah, so it was announced. Oh, it releases January 1st, so in about two days. It has 1,125 pieces, and it will retail for $70. It includes Sonic, a loop, uh, Dr. Eggman, Robotnik, however you want to call him. And it's uh, the Sonic Mania version of Green Hill Zone. Um, no, it was supposed to be based on that. It's the original Sonic stage. And um, it's the Egg Wrecker. I don't know. Anyway, that's what's coming. So Lego Sonic the Hedgehog Green Hill Zone set releases January 1st. So in about two and a half days. Um, or the day after you listen to this. After it releases. And, oh, there's a new Iron Man figure. Anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at new Lego sets. And, um, no, this is, this is good to see. I am excited. More Jurassic World sets. I always look at upcoming Lego sets. Uh, if you guys want to know a great site to look at that, uh, check out the Brick Fan. He's actually local, too. And, uh, rumors of a Lego set based around Horizon Zero Dawn. I hope that's a Technic set. That's, that's for damn sure. That better be a Technic set. Um... But that may be coming in the future. Also, Remedy and Tencent have announced they are working on a multiplayer project. Uh, Tencent, I, I don't know. Tencent owns like half the video game world at this point next to the Embracer group. Remedy, of course, makes amazing games like Alan Wake and Quantum Break and Control and Max Payne. So that's a cool thing to see. A Remedy multiplayer game, though. I don't know how that would work. They're so story-driven. Interesting. Very interesting, indeed. Anyway. Anyway. Fortnite was down today, folks. And I'm sure if any of you play, you were unhappy. Or you had unhappy kids. Who usually turn it on for them to play. Well, it was down. I think it's back up. Apparently, you know, they've been having some issues. Epic Games has been having some stability issues. Um, it looks like this was earlier today. And 
The game servers were taken down. Huh. Interesting. I wonder if they're still down. I haven't seen anything. Let me take a look. That was earlier today. Is Fortnite down? Let's take a look at this. Oh, they're st oh no, they're back up. I don't know why. Something said they were still down. They're back up. Anyway, that's hilarious that, that Fortnite went down two days, four days after Christmas. Oh, man. Four days after Christmas. That's hilarious. That is hilarious. Anyway, we're going to do our top ten. I'm going to do... We're going to do... I'm going to do my top tens for the year for each category at the end of the episode. Uh, like I said, I'm just going to try and go over the news. Um, our final bit of news, other than fuck Fortnite, is, for gaming at least, the free games with your uh, online services next month. So, for PS Plus gamers, you get Persona 5 Strikers, Deep Rock Galactic, and Dirt 5. Those will all be available to uh, anyone who has PSN Plus. And if you are a uh, Xbox Live Gold subscriber... You will get Neurovoider, A Ground, Radiant Silver Gun, and Space and Fighters Infinity Gene. I don't know what you're doing, Xbox. Those are... Like, lately it seems more and more like Games with Gold is going to be phased out. And just they're trying to push everyone to Game Pass. I get it. I get it. I don't... Granted, I don't care. I have Game Pass. So it doesn't, it doesn't really affect me. But it might affect other people. And I get that. But... You gotta incentivize people to have regular gold still. Um, granted, I think you can just get game. I think you can get regular Game Pass with with Xbox Live Gold. Um, I don't know what it is actually because I I do Ultimate, so it includes PC. But I'm I'm sure it's it's not expensive from what I've seen. I don't know. I haven't paid for it in forever because people have given me the three the three month cards for Ultimate. So who knows? Who knows? Um, we'll talk about our top ten games in a bit. Um, TV, just a couple of new things. Uh, Netflix is already looking at a possible third season of Squid Game. Uh, the creator said that he is talking with them already about season two and now even a season three. Uh, looks like Netflix is very heavily interested in the show. Granted, it became literally their most watched show like ever. So obviously they want to keep it going. Hopefully it doesn't lose its, its I don't want to say charm because it's not a charming show. But hopefully it doesn't lose its, like, its message. Right? That's, that's the thing you don't want it to lose. And then I do want to talk about the Book of Boba Fett today. I will not be including it on the top 10 of 2021 only because it's only its first episode is airing in 2021. However, completely knocked it out of the park today, right? It literally opens with him escaping the Sarlacc, something that has not really been portrayed, only hinted at even in the old expanded universe. But honestly, that's what I wanted them to start with, and they did, and that, that made me very happy. The other cool thing about it is it, it flips between what he's doing now as a new like warlord type or gang leader type thing on Tatooine. We get to see more of Moss Espa than we've ever seen before. And then it also switches between flashbacks of what happened after he escaped the Sarlacc 
and he has these really great interactions with a, a tribe of, of sand people. And I'm actually really digging this storyline. I've seen people on, online like, uh, blah, 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 it's just a slow start. Like, nah, dude, you need a slow start. You want to build up to this epic thing. Like, this is a, it's a, it's Robert Rodriguez, right? The man knows what he's doing. He knows how to tell like a story about a gunslinger and, and things like this. I mean, he's done all those once upon a time in Mexico stories and I think that's what they're called. Anyway, th this is, I'm excited. I'm very excited for where the Book of Boba Fett is going. And I'm, I'm happy to say that this first episode hooked me right away. And I'm hoping it's going to be like a, like a gangster style type deal, like a mob movie type deal. And I'm, I'm getting those vibes and I'm happy. I'm very happy for that. And then a little bit of movie news here. I'm not even going to talk about The Matrix Resurrections. I thankfully did not pay to watch this movie. It, it Granted, technically I'm paying because I, you know, HBO Max. But this movie was bad. Like, bad. There's some cool things. So it's not like a zero. Like, it's a four out of ten for me. It's way too meta. Way too fucking meta. And... It literally just takes everything that happened in the original movies and just says, fuck it. And we're just going to ignore, practically ignore a lot of it. And the way, don't get me wrong. There are like, there are things that, that had the potential to be a great fucking movie. They, they just weren't executed on it. It just, it, it, it just disintegrated. I don't know. And it there's way, way too many callbacks to the original movie. Plus, they're just, it, I don't, it just, it doesn't, I don't even know how to describe it because I was just, I was literally left like, what the fuck was this after I watched it? It was so bad. It was so bad. I was laughing more than I should have at this movie. And... NPH is the villain, plus, I, I, I don't know, man, just don't, don't, please don't go watch it in the theater, it's just not good, if you have HBO Max, watch it at home, if you don't have HBO Max, then I guess maybe watch it in the theater, or just wait, but it was not a good movie, I did not like it at all, it was terrible, terrible, um, Spider-Man has earned a billion dollars at the box office. Yeah, yeah. And a good thing, right? Very good. It's actually Sony's highest grossing film ever. Uh, obviously top grossing film of 2021. And it earned another $81 million domestically and another $121 million internationally. So domestic total 467 International total 587, and it's now the third highest Christmas Day gross, 10 day gross, and superhero film gross of all time. Uh, furthermore, second highest grossing film of any December. Obviously, I think Star Wars The Force Awakens is higher. And that's crazy. 49th film to cross the billion dollar threshold at the global box office. It is now 38 above 2019's Aladdin and Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. 
and uh, it's funny. the The next closest movie over Christmas meet weekend was Sing Two, and it only made twenty three million. It's a sixty million dollar difference. Um, the Matrix, speaking of which, only brought in twelve million dollars. <laughs> but yeah, Sony's highest grossing film, Spider Man, makes it to a billion after a week essentially so that happened and then the batman it was announced will hit hbo max on april 19th just about 45 46 days after it releases in theaters uh there was a new trailer that has uh, uh, there was a new trailer that assuaged my feelings on the film uh it's getting a lot more noir feel and like a little more comic-y feel looks like there's going to be heavy emphasis emphasis i should say on Selena Kyle as well. I still have some reservations after some of the more recent things I've heard. And don't get me wrong. I'm going to watch it. It's a Batman movie. I really want it to be good. I want it to succeed. I want to like it. I do. I really do. I just know that I need to put away any preconceived notions I may have. Because if I don't, I may go in with just like an assumption and we don't want that because that's not going to be good for me talking about it. That's not going to be good for me thinking about it. I'm just going to go in with like this predisposed opinion that I shouldn't have. And I, I want to make sure that I go in with a with a clear mind about it, right? I want to make sure I don't just go in, like, hating it beforehand. So, just the new trailer helped a bit. I'm still a little worried. I'm never not going to be a little worried. So, that's a thing. But this final bit of news actually just came through. And it has to do with the Fast franchise. And on Instagram, The Rock, or Dwayne The Rock Johnson, um, has declined Vin Diesel's uh, invitation to join Fast 10, saying no chance. And uh, speaking to CNN, of all places, you know, Vin Diesel posted that he must show up for Fast 10, Rise to the occasion and fulfill your destiny. I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. And uh, The Rock, Dwayne, said, quote, I was very surprised by Vin's recent post. This past June, when Vin and I actually connected, not over social media, I told him directly and privately that I would not be returning to the franchise. I was firm yet cordial with my words and said that I would always be supportive of the cast and always root for the franchise to be successful, but that there was no chance I would return. I privately spoke with my partners at Universal as well, all of whom were very supportive as they understand the problem. And uh, he also said that, quote, it's an example of his manipulation, unquote, referring to, to Vin Diesel. Um, and he said, quote, Vin's recent public post was as an example of his manipulation. I didn't like that he brought up his children in the post as well as Paul Walker's death. Leave them out of it. We had spoken months ago about this and came to a clear understanding. My goal all along was to end... My amazing journey with his incredible Fast and Furious franchise with gratitude and grace. It's unfortunate that this public dialogue has muddled, muddied the waters 
Regardless, I'm confident in the Fast Universe and its ability to consistently deliver for the audience, and I truly wish for my former co-stars and crew members the best of luck and success in the next chapter. Unquote. Does that mean he's done with Hobbs and Shaw as well? Interesting. Uh, and of course, Fast 10 was recently delayed to 2023, or was it, it was delayed a month or whatever, right? Um, we were talking about that last week, or was that two weeks ago? I think it was two weeks ago we talked about how it was delayed like a week or a month. Oh, it was delayed a month, that's what it was, we talked about that two weeks ago. Um, yeah, so I'm confused, does that mean he's not doing another Hobbs and Shaw? Like, does that count, I guess, or not? I don't know. Anyway, that's it for the news, if you will. Let's talk about our year in review. Woo, woo, woo. Let's fucking go. Anyway. Anyway. Where are we? Top tens, huh? Let's talk about our top ten video games, right? Starting at the bottom. Hitman 3 at number ten. I liked this game. It was okay. Wasn't the best Hitman game. Uh, when we reviewed it, did I put a score on it? Um, I don't remember if I put a score on it. Anyway, it was okay. And that's why it's uh, number 10. Apparently, I only really played 10 games this year anyway. No, I played more. Um, before we get any further, I will not be including the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Because it is a game I've played before. And it was literally just a remaster. Um, well, mostly a remaster. Let's, let's put it, let's put it that way. Um, that's essentially why we're not going to be having that on the list. But with that being said, I think I put, I think I put that at like a seven out of 10 Hitman three. I don't remember. Uh, there was too much though that was reliant on, there was too much reliant on, um, like DLC and replaying stuff from the first two from the remake trilogy. So that is why it's at number 10. Number nine, we have new Pokemon Snap, which I, I thought was fun. Uh, replayability was there. I haven't even gone back to the do the DLC. But overall, it was just, it wasn't, it, it was, it, it's just not that fun after a, a long a long amount of time for it being a switch game and newer it should have had way more pokemon and way more locations not just constant rehashes of the same ones and it should have tied into the universe more as a whole and i know it, it i know with pokemon games they don't always do but it just it could have been better and it was it it wasn't uh at number eight is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart was the first PlayStation 5 game I got. And it's so low because A, I was able to, to platinum it, platinum trophy that game in an outrageously short amount of time. And B, while it looks gorgeous, substance, it, it wasn't really there. It was a short, somewhat of a short game. Um, but again, it was it was literally too easy. I should not have been able to plat platinum that game, platinum trophy that game that quickly. It was fun, my first Ratchet and Clank game, but 
overall compared to everything else I played, not just it was okay. Uh, my number seven is Age of Empires four, mainly because I I enjoy it very much. Um, I just haven't had a whole lot of time to hop into it, um, just with other things that have been going on, and I hope to play more of it soon. And it it didn't really move the franchise that far forward. It did because it brings in new mechanics and new tools and 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 things, but it's missing a lot of things that were great in the old ones that are almost standard in in uh, RTSs, and it wasn't there. Also. For it being the fourth game in the franchise, yes, it added new factions, but it also goes back to a time period we've played over and over and over again. And I know they don't want to get too far into the modern stuff. Obviously, it's Age of Empires, but it it still could have done more. Uh, then at number six, I have Forza Horizon 5. Now... The, the next six through one through six are just really were really hard to rank and Forza Horizon 5 I love it but four Forza Horizon 4 is still the the best one don't get me wrong Forza Horizon 5 is great it is amazing it's beautiful it's gorgeous but four was was the ultimate execution five builds on that but also regresses in a few ways in terms of it it being a little bit more simplistic if if you will number five i've jurassic world evolution 2 mainly because the campaign is somewhat lacking and the but but chaos theory mode is is amazing getting to like replay the movies in like a what if scenario and i have played a lot of it and love and love it and still love it and plan to keep playing it and I hope more and more DLC comes out, especially as we get closer to the release of Jurassic World Dominion. And I know it will, and I'm excited for more Dinosaur DLC. And hopefully maybe we even get stuff from uh, Camp Cretaceous, the uh, Netflix spinoff show that is considered canon. At number four, I have Far Cry 6. Such a great game, such a great improvement over Far Cry 5, which while Far Cry 5 was fun and I loved it, Far Cry 6 is a return to form, and Giancarlo Esposito as the villain was perfect. Perfect, perfect, and I have so much fun just going around blowing shit up again. Number three is Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, however you want to call it. Of course, that game was amazing. Game was great. Story was great. There's a lot of potential for DLC or a sequel. It brought in so much from the Marvel Universe as a whole, and just, it was so fun. It was a great game, and it, it proved that Square Enix can, can really prosper with the Marvel franchise after the failure that Marvel's Avengers was. Uh, number two, I have Deathloop. Literally my second favorite game this year. Game is beautiful. Game is gorgeous. The music is, is great. It is a very fun game. It has so much play replayability available and offered to you. It, there's so many different ways you can go about things and how to handle the situations. And I love it. And the voice acting is amazing. And it, it just, it's it's a great world and it's a great place to live in. Um, and then 
you're probably not surprised, but my number one is Halo Infinite. I know it came out just with one month pretty much left in the year. Games are a little different from TV, mainly because a game you could get done in several weeks. Because multiplayer is is amazing, and it, it's just like Halo Three again. Because the c- campaign is so fun, and I it's a it's a gorgeous campaign, and I I've been saying I just have so much fun just going around and doing the little side missions because they're different. Yes, there's a lot of go save this squad of Marines, but each version of that is different from the last. It it makes you take each approach differently. The hunting high-valuable targets, each one is different, and having to approach it is differently. Adding boss fights to Halo. After, I mean, they were in Halo 5 with the Warden Eternal, but those were monotonous and repetitive. These ones are all different, and and again, require you to think differently for each fight. And the missions, and allowing you to explore more of Zeta Halo, is why Halo Infinite is my number one game this year. No surprise there. No surprise there. Uh, TV-wise, let's talk about my 10 favorite TV shows this year. I know we are kind of transitioning out of TV. We'll still talk about some nerd stuff TV, because obviously Marvel. Um, my top 10, and there were more shows. These are just the ones that I actually like finished the whole season of. Uh, number 10 is The Crew, which was the new Kevin James show. Part of it was good. Part of it was just garbage uh it sucks that it ended on a cliffhanger and it got canceled obviously because it wasn't that good um it had potential though number nine is what if only because the other marvel shows outshined it and hawkeye did in its final moments to be honest but what if there were too many things that there were a couple episodes that were just flat and not fun to watch at all. But then there were also episodes that were really good and enjoying. And also having having the actual actors play their characters. And then also being in the same scene with voice doubles. It just, it was broken. It was broken. And it, it takes you out of it. Out of it when that happens. At number eight, I have Rutherford Falls. Uh, The new show on Peacock from the creators of of, uh, Parks and Rec and things like that, starring Ed Helms. Mainly because I think it's great in terms of comedy. It was well written. But overall, it takes like the stupidity of characters in Parks and Rec and The Office and things like that. But then dials them up to like 11. And it makes them like extra stupid. So that, that is what held it back. At number seven is Mr. Mayor, then also a new show on NBC, but this one is starring Ted Danson, who becomes the mayor of Los Angeles. I thought the show was hilarious. I think it's funny watching shows about local politics are always great, and it has a very, very Parks and Rec vibe, and that's why I love it, Uh, especially when you become the mayor of LA, because it's just, of course, it's going to be a funny thing. At number six, I have Hawkeye. Uh, Hawkeye was the weakest of the MCU shows up until its final episode, bringing in Kingpin and and obviously opening the door wide open for the greater MCU, especially in the way it can tie in with uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. And that is why it's higher than What If. 
Um, and the final episode packed it up on the action. I wish most of the season was more like the final episode. At number five, here's a surprise for you. CSI Vegas. Yes, it was technically, technically it's just the original CSI over again, but it, it had the flair of the old episodes of, of the original CSI, like before Gil Grissom left. And it was a serialized one. So the whole season had an overarching story. And what they did with Hodges and bringing Seidel, Sarah Seidel back as well, along with Grissom. The new cast is actually fun. The stories didn't seem like played out or like redone again. Like I felt like they were new crimes that hadn't been done or in new ways. Uh, luckily it was picked up for a second season. I don't know how it will work though. Um, obviously I knew this was kind of coming that Grissom might not come back. So he, he is not coming back. William Peterson will not reprise his role as Gil Grissom in the second season, but I do hope they keep the serialized format where yes, there's a, uh, a crime of the week, but underneath that, that all is they're still working towards a common goal of a major crime that will, they'll figure out at the end of the season. I think that is the only way to keep CSI going is if you do a serialized version like that where you have an end game at the end and it's not just a every week is a different... It, it used to be, what, two two crimes every week, right? They'd have a fast one that would be solved by the middle of the episode and then there'd be a crime that they took the whole episode to solve. I think keeping it serialized will keep it in people's good graces again by having a, a short crime of the week that gets finished by the midpoint and then them still working towards a major crime that takes the whole season to solve. At number four, I have WandaVision. Great show, as you guys re might remember. I thought it was the best MCU show up until the others came out. Uh, this one is, is great for how it sets up for uh, Wanda for the Multiverse of Madness. At number three, I have The Bad Batch, which at times I felt was too much like a Clone Wars show and not enough setting up the Bad Batch as their own group. Uh, also, it made the universe feel small again with Fennec Shand being such an integral part of the show. Uh, Omega got kind of annoying at points and also just it wasn't... An, it, it felt like it was rushing its way to the Empire and Stormtroopers that doesn't always necessarily reflect what canon had been doing before. And I, I think it could have done more. But it also brought Cad Bane back, so there was that. <laughs> um, at number two, I have The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Such a great show. The, the chemistry between Bucky and, and Sam is amazing. Making Sam realize, like, bringing Sam on the journey to realize that he should be Cap, also amazing. And... Great show. Flag Smashers could have been better fleshed out. Uh, overall, though, a great show. More cohesive than some of the others. And number one is Loki. Because A, Loki finally opens... Opens. More like busts down the door of the multiverse. Uh, especially with all the different variants. That was always fun to watch. Uh, Loki is just overall the best villain in the MCU. I don't think he's a villain anymore, though, really. And then also setting up the new uh, big bad for the MCU in general with Kang the Conqueror, setting the stage for him 
and obviously getting us ready to be prepared, be prepared to have him as the villain in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, and also being that precursor to the multiverse before Spider-Man No Way Home, and of course before Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and also just because it was a great fucking show. That's why. So those are my top 10 for TV. Now, let's uh, round out today with the top 10 for the movies. This was literally the hardest top 10 I've made in, in my three years of podcasting. This was the hardest one to do. Because I've literally rearranged it like four different times. I had to take out movies I thought were going to be in it. I had to put in stuff. It just, it was not anything that, um, I, I just, it, it, I, it was so hard. It was so hard because there's so many great movies this year. I watched so many movies this year and it, it just, I don't know. It was hard. It was so hard. It was so hard to make. So let's start at the bottom. At number 10, we have Fast 9. And only because it was a great thing after what was The Fate of the Furious. The Fate of the Furious, it was just a, a lapse in, in the, the success they were having. And I know it did well, but story-wise, it was bunk. It was crap. It was garbage. Fast 9, however, just they 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 know where they are. They went over the top. They totally accepted that, and I loved it for it. And it got super meta in a way that didn't break the movie like what happened in Matrix Resurrections. At number 9, at number 9, like I told you, this was the hardest top 10 to make. At number nine, I've Godzilla versus Kong. A, that movie was gorgeous looking, and the extra time in the delay gave them the ability to, to literally clean it up and make it look amazing. B, literally the greatest fight in, in movie history that people have been waiting for to see, and it was amazing. C, the world building it does for the MonsterVerse, which just blows open the door for everything to come in on top of what King of the Monsters already did previously. And I cannot wait for another MonsterVerse movie. At number eight, we have Ghostbusters Afterlife, which again, very hard to put this low because it was an amazing sequel to Ghostbusters 1 and 2. It was so funny and it was a sequel without having to rely too much on the original cast because the new cast did so well and it felt like a Ghostbusters movie and that was the key at number seven free guy movie was so so freaking good and so many people thought it would be terrible and it was actually really good it had a great story underneath and it, it actually is one of the best video game movies I've seen even though it's not based on a video game it just like just like Scott Pilgrim right and free guy is so good and Ryan Reynolds was amazing in it and the, like I said the story was great it was just funny it was hilarious it was fun it was a fun movie to watch at number six the suicide squad man James Gunn knows how to make a superhero movie 
and I cannot wait for The Peacemaker. So, this movie was exactly what it needed to be. And the, the, the team was great. And making sure you had people from the last film and new characters to come together worked perfectly. And I never thought you could ever get King Shark to work in a movie until this movie. At number five, I have Shang-Chi. Uh, of the Marvel films this year, hands down, of the second best, sorry. Of all the Marvel films this year, it was hands down the second best, right? If we're going to make a separate list of Marvel movies, obviously No Way Home, Shang-Chi, then Black Widow, and then The Eternals. I know a lot of people like The Eternals, but and Eternals didn't even make my top ten, and neither did Black Widow. Because Black Widow had no stakes. But no. Shang-Chi. Super unexpected. Great kung fu movie. Great movie overall. I do hope they get Jackie Chan for the second one. Um, Aquafina was actually really good in it. It was just it was just a good movie. It was just a good movie. Uh, number four. Zack Snyder's The Justice League. Very happy to finally see his true vision be put out to the masses um it being a four-hour movie again not an issue because it was broken up to into vignettes and everyone is hailing it as literally one of the best superhero movies in a long time and people understand what what Zack Snyder's vision was uh, and understand that it was a long haul not anything short people don't have long attention span so that makes a lot of sense but I'm happy to see that people understood what he wanted and actually liked the product he created. And it, it redeemed him. It redeemed Ben Affleck as Batman. It makes a lot of people excited for the DCEU in the future and for the Flash movie. Um, so that that was good. At number three, we have No Time to Die. One of the best Bond movies. And it was a fitting end to... Daniel Craig's tenure as Bond. Uh, I gushed about it after we we talked about it after I saw it. Um, literally updated my my Bond rankings to to put it up near the top, and I just I love, um, yeah. No Time to Die is my number two Bond movie or three number three Bond movie, and I just. Uh, it was so good. It was so good. And then number two. One and two can kind of be interchangeable here. Um, these were really hard. Number two is Dune. And despite it being my favorite movie of the year. Number one, there's a reason number one is number one. But Dune is my number two. Literally Oscar worthy in so many categories. It makes me excited for the franchise. I literally almost bought Dune today at Barnes and Noble. Then I saw how thick it was. I was like, let me <laughs> look thick books. Don't scare me. But when I see a book like that, when I have a stack of books that I need to read, that's when I was like, okay, let me, let me take a step back here uh, and, and refocus and rehuddle. But Dune has me excited for the future of that franchise. 
and just again solidifies that Denis Villeneuve, literally one of the best directors right now. And number one, and I'm sure you figured it out, is Spider-Man No Way Home. And it's number one because of, this is how you do nostalgia right. You know, and we talked about it in the spoilers last week, that Spider-Man No Way Home is the best MCU movie because it takes everything they've learned over the last, what, 13, 14 years. And uh, they didn't let Sony muck it up anymore. They literally bring in uh, uh, the best Spider-Man villains, right? Willem Dafoe is is amazing as Green Goblin again. Uh, at this point, I don't want to spoil too much again. Just this is how you do nostalgia. This is how you make it work. This is how you do a team up movie, and and make sure you don't alienate people. But also make sure to please fans of previous Spider-Man movies as well. And the way it just, it works perfectly and allows people to, to move on. And, but it also opens the door for a wide realm of things, not just for Spider-Man, but for the multiverse as a whole again in the MCU. And, oh man. It just it was just such a feel good movie and I left so hyped and so jazzed and that's why it's number one. Um, Spider-Man No Way Home. So my, my number ones were Spider-Man No Way Home for movies, Loki for TV, and Halo Infinite for gaming. And those were my top tens for 2021. Um, again, hey, we, we've been at this three and a half years. Thank you guys for listening week in, week out. I appreciate all of you. And I'm happy to have you guys as subscribers, as listeners, um, as new time, new time listeners, uh, one-time listeners, one-time fans, what, whatever you are. Like, share, subscribe, do, do whatever you feel is necessary. It don't. I, it doesn't bother me, right? I'm, I'm doing this because I have fun doing it. Um, Thank you guys for listening, though. Again, it, it cheers to 2022. Let, let's, hope, let's hope things get better, right, in 2022. And I'm excited for the new year. I am sure a lot of you are as well. Um, one of my most anticipated games, thank God, comes out in February. So I don't have to wait long uh, in, in uh, Horizon Zero Dawn Forbidden West. Um, I have been lucky enough to get both consoles in the, in the span of the last 12, 13 months. Um, so I'm excited for what, what those are going to be available to me in the new year. I have a lot of big changes myself coming in the new year, uh, as well as things that happened very recently as well. I want to share my joy with all of you. I hope you share your joy with me and, I look forward to 2022. Thank you guys for listening, of course, this year. We are going to be hitting our third, fourth year anniversary next year, which is crazy to say. And, uh, yeah, just stay tuned. Next week, we should be back to, to usual with our standard news of the week. And uh, I think... That's it that wise. Otherwise, 
Don't forget to check out nixnerdnews.com where you guys can listen to the show right in your browser. Or if you prefer to listen to us on the go, you should be able to find links to our Spotify page, our Amazon Music page, our Google Podcast page, and our Apple Podcast page. And there should be a link for the iHeartRadio page coming soon. Um, thank you guys, of course, for listening. I am now on all four, five major platforms to listen to the show. Also, while you're there, make sure to check out our socials tab. That way you guys can see all three of our social feeds in one place. Um, we post a lot of funny memes and things like that. They're not my own. We do get them from other sources. I do not claim them as my own, though. just want to point that out. Or if you prefer, if you're not on all of them, just search Nick's Nerd News on your preferred social media platform of choice. Uh, hopefully we'll start getting some TikToks going in the new year. Uh, that will be more, though, of highlights from the show. Uh, you get to see my smiling mug uh, rather than um, memes, though. And, uh, yeah, that's stuff to look forward to in 2022. With that being said, I am your host, Nick. This is Nick's Nerd News, our final sign-off of 2021. I will catch you guys on the flip side. <laughs>